Good morning. We're delighted you're here. This morning I'm going to be starting a new series. Um, actually, before I do, I I just want to say in this moment, um, I, I want to fight for you to be part of community, to be part of relationship, to be part of family, to be part of church, to be part of the kingdom of God extending in your own life in this church and in this city. I think we're in a time where people are holding that lightly and loosely, where people are being picked off, where the 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 kind of the the consumerism side of life and some of the negative effects of the pandemic where we can get to choose to almost be quite selfish and to um, not want to be part of something because it's hard work. I want to just row against that and say I think that's some of the ways that the enemy can pick us off, that we're called to be a family and a community with a mission and a purpose and to almost just to, to encourage some of you to think about what that looks like and what that means. Over the next little season, we're going to be doing multiple things to try and create relational environments as a catalyst for you to, to come alive in the fullness of the community that we're called to be part of because that's where we're shaped and discipled and ultimately become more like Jesus. And I, I don't know if I'm speaking that over some of you almost as a prophetic utterance of Guys, come back. If you want to stand firm, if you want to be firm in your faith, not swayed or tossed around by the wind or the waves of the day, you need to be people that are doing that alongside of us. And um, let, me, let me just launch, though. We want to launch a new series called Led to the Lost. Honestly, that is our mandate. It's why we do what we do. And I'm hoping this series is going to do a couple of things. Firstly, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm longing, as with anything we ever do, that it's going to lead you closer to Jesus. But I also pray and hope that it's going to lead of us to lead others closer to Jesus. You know, sometimes we can make this whole thing really quite complicated but it but it isn't we want to be led closer to Jesus and then we want to lead others closer to Jesus and um for this series I'm just going to pull together a few thoughts and reflections from the book of John so let me just read this it says in John 20 verse 1 early on Sunday morning while it was still dark Mary Magdalene came from the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved you know that that little bit there is kind of a story in itself but basically Jesus had 12 disciples within the 12 he spent a bit more with three of them and within those three he was really close to John and hence the phrase the one that Jesus loved a phrase or a similar phrase is actually found and used six times in the book of John and I often think about that phrase what would it be like to walk closely with Jesus, to chat with him, to laugh with him, to eat with him, to be corrected by him, to be challenged by him, to be with him in the miracle moments, but also to be with him in the, the exhaustion and the frustration moments, to be someone who's considered close to him, to be reflect, reflected on and referred to as, as the one whom he loved. You know, would it be that way that we walk so closely with Jesus? And regardless of the sheer wealth and richness of the content of the book of John, I've always been so fond of the book because it's always stirred me 
to a longing and a hunger to be closer to Jesus, knowing that that's how it was for John and that's how it can be for us. There's this one little passage found towards the end of the book that kind of gives a synopsis, if you want, of the whole of the book of John. And it's worth us just casting our eye over that and grabbing hold of that before we go any further. But it says in John 20, verse 30, it says this, the disciple saw, sorry, the disciple saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in the book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. He's basically saying, guys, listen, I've written this book that includes accounts and stories and sermons and all of that stuff so that you might believe you know john witnessed for nearly three years the stories sermons conversations he had interactions but he's not included all of them he carefully he carefully selected certain ones so that it would help us believe so that it would bring us to a point of believing you know if i could narrow the book of john down to just one word I wouldn't quite be doing it justice, but if I could narrow it down to just one word, it would be this, believe. You know, if 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 I could say in the 21 chapters of the book of John that there's really three questions that he's trying to help answer, they would be this. What do you need to believe? What does it mean to believe? And why do you need to believe? And I guess we're going to kind of unpack and look at some of that over the coming weeks. But my hope and desire is that as we go on a journey together, it would lead us closer to Jesus. And as we do that, that that would lead us to lead others closer to Jesus, that we would literally be led to the lost. We would have a heart and a stirring and a longing and a passion that the lost come closer to Jesus and are found by him. Have you ever, though, thought about the word believe? You know, what are, what are we even really talking about? Well, it's really to trust or to put your faith in something or someone. To believe in Jesus as the Son of God requires more than just an intellectual alignment with a set of facts about the life of Jesus. What it really means is trusting our whole selves into who Jesus said he was and what he was sent to accomplish. And just just for a minute, just with me, just in your mind's eye, imagine that you're walking through some mountains and you come close to the edge of a cliff that drops thousands of feet below and into the between the mountains. And I can't actually think of many places that I've been like that, but I can think of many times I've seen pictures of places like that or I've seen it in the movies. But the only way I can imagine to continue is to walk across a bridge from one side of the cliff that you're on to the other. You know, can you imagine those like thin little almost rope bridges made up of a few slats of wood? And it's one thing to say that I believe this bridge will hold me as I cross. It's quite something else altogether to actually start walking across it. You know, the first is just a intellectual belief that something is possible. The latter is actually putting your trust in the bridge and actually walking on it, taking ground step by step to the other side. 
John didn't just write this gospel so that we would know stuff about Jesus. He wrote this gospel so that we would know who he is and what he was sent to do and then trust him completely to actually put our faith and our belief in him. This isn't a passive thing. This is an active thing. Now, just one more thing I want to say about John before we jump in. One of the dominant themes in the book of John is our need for life. And this is going to come up, I guess, multiple times. But having a knowing and finding that life is always connected to the person of Jesus. As we go on this journey together of personally being led closer to Jesus and then hopefully stirring a desire and a longing and a passion to lead others closer to Jesus. Ultimately, that would be people that have led to the lost to do all of that, to be all of that. We're going to need to know and to find life in Jesus, to be fully alive. Let me give you an example of how we see that unfold in the book of John. It says this in John 1 verse 4. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought life to everyone. So he brought light to everyone. John 3.16, for God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 5.24, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. John eleven twenty five. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? He said, John 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then as I read earlier in John 20, verse 30, but these are written so that you might continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Even just his name has power and brings life and transformation. By believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. The power of the name of Jesus. I almost just want to speak that over you now. The name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. The life and the transformation that just comes from even hearing and digesting that is quite remarkable. You, you could be healed in this moment just by having the, the name of Jesus declared over you because there is power in his name. The trappings, the bindings, the pressures, the anxieties you'll face, I speak over you the name of Jesus, that there's freedom in that. The life we need, the life we crave is found in Jesus. It's not just a transaction in which we believe in Jesus and he hands us life almost like, you know, at the at the front door and then walks away having given us a package very much like a delivery driver might do. The life he gives is life that is found in him. You can't and you won't find it outside of him. Many have and many will try in many different ways, but this life is far beyond anything that can be naturally grasped or understood. Life in Jesus is really best, I guess, pictured or illustrated 
by an understanding of adoption. You know, when a child is adopted, the, the significance isn't a piece of paper that is then filed away and left in a drawer. The real meaning and life that is found in adoption isn't that piece of paper, but it's then been brought into a relationship with a family that becomes their own. Their existence then tied up in this new family. They sleep in the same house. They eat meals together. They cry when they face lost together you know they pass on a common cold to each other when one of them's ill because they're constantly in close proximity with each other adoption isn't an exchange it's a new relationship it's the beginning of a new life and Jesus illustrated it to his disciples by comparing their relationship to a vine with branches it gets daily nourishment from its connection to the vine. If something was to sever the branch from the vine, the branch wouldn't be able to sustain life. And it's the same for us. When we truly believe, we truly begin to find life. You know, I once remember years ago now, I saw a statue next to a statue. And it's kind of a really odd thing to see. It actually drew my eye to it, partly because I was like, why on earth would you stick a identical statue of a statue next to the statue just you would you wouldn't do it it's like the same height the same color the same thing and um, that everything about them looked identical and it was it was really so bizarre so anyway i'm i'm drawn to it i'm taking a closer look at it and i noticed actually there was a difference one of them actually had scarily lifelike eyes and um, then i'm like hang on a minute this thing is actually blinking and I, I don't know if you've ever seen those street performers where they stay deadly still and they, they're almost acting out something else or trying to be something else. It was like that. It was somebody dressed up mimicking the statue in every way, but obviously, but actually not that obviously prior to really seeing it. One of them was a statue and one of them was actually real. You know, I guess this is my point. We're actually supposed to be alive when we come alive when we have the life the truth and the hope of Jesus breathed into us when we become a branch that is connected to the vine when we move from theoretical belief to actually lived out acted on faith trust and belief I'm excited for this series because I'm excited for you knowing life and more life and therefore coming alive. Let's let's just jump in. The passage I want to look at today is is um, John 1 verse 6 to 13. You can read it again as well in your own time or follow it now if you've got a Bible. John 1 6 to 13 says this, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulted from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. 
Okay, if you get if you get lost in what I'm saying today, here's what's going on in a nutshell. God sends John the Baptist to tell us we need to make a life-defining decision about Jesus. And if that was true then, it's still true right now here today for all of us as we engage with this. Remember the two things I want to look at. We want to be led ourselves closer to Jesus and then we, we want to lead others closer to Jesus. The, this is the potential of, of what we've got going on here. This is a life-defining decision because God sends John the Baptist to tell us that we need to make this life-defining decision about Jesus. John the Baptist appears on the scene to relay a message from God about Jesus and it contains a pretty strong call, I would say, for us to make a decision. And I guess... Before we go any further, my question is this. What will you do with Jesus? Can I, can I ask you that? You may have been asked that multiple times before, but you've really got to grasp it, take it in and understand it because this is going to change everything for you. Stand on the cliffside with a bit of head knowledge or step onto and start walking along the bridge. Moving from head knowledge to heart expression, moving from a, a, a dead statue to a lived out expression of life. You know, a week never went by when I was in the fire service that we didn't train with breathing apparatus. It was really our bread and butter of how we did our job. It was the thing that would save us and therefore save others. And it was the advantage you had or we had over the savage nature of the fire. Even if you couldn't put the fire out quickly enough, at least you could breathe in it. So whatever the environment and the toxicity, toxicity of the gases, that's a hard word to say, of the gases present or the density of the smoke, it enabled you to breathe. I cannot even begin to tell you the difference just even the slightest ray or fragment of light would make in that difference. In a completely dark room that you've never seen or you, you know, you've never seen or been in before is completely disorientated. And your job is to get in and get someone out. And that's kind of easy to do apart from you can't see anything. Not just see a little bit. You can't see anything. So every wall, every door, every obstacle, every hazard significantly goes up and multiplies a notch. So I would say most people could probably scramble around their house in the dark quite easily after a while. You could because you know it. You know the layout. You know where you're going. You know the obstacles. But it's far from easy in a place you don't know what we would do just to get just a fraction, just a shard of light. You know, it's not a case of oh, I'm just going to turn the light on because, well, one, you've turned the power off. But secondly, you're in the most dense, thick smoke and you can't see even if there is light. You can't open a window because you're going to get a backdraft by letting the air into the room. So we would crave light. Literally, sometimes I'd have my face 
like wedged on the floor trying to get below the smoke level to try and even just see the slightest ray of light that's following me into a room from the place that I've come from or is reflecting off something else. Sometimes I do that just to work out that my mate was 20 centimetres in front of me because without that I would have no idea where he was. I couldn't see him, feel him or hear him. You would do anything and everything to get a ray of light into the room. Can I ask you, will you do anything and everything to get to the light? God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everybody might believe because of his testimony. We can't, we can't be on tick over. We can't live in life routines day in, day out. Some of the COVID routines swayed by the circumstances of life. If we want life, we have to find light. Who'd have a torch in a dark place and not turn it on? You know, well, actually me. I think a number of us would do that quite often. We would have ways of accessing and getting to Jesus, but we don't use them. Jesus is the light and therefore the life of our lives. And yet so often and how often that isn't our first thought and it isn't our first priority or our first port of call. Verse 9, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world, the very world he created, but the world didn't recognise him. You know, here John's testimony about the life found in the light of Jesus and go after it. That's what I want to say. Go after this light, chase it, pursue it, remove every obstacle and restriction. The, the world might not recognise him, but goodness me, we have heard. We've had the chance to taste and to see and don't miss the moment to go after that light. We've seen the light. So what do we do about it? We share the light. You know how heartbreaking that the world doesn't always recognise him. We've got to have hearts that are led towards and postured towards the lost. Jesus made our eyes and yet many refused to see his glory. He made our ears and yet many refused to listen to his words. And he made our hearts and yet many refused to bow before him. Doesn't that break your heart? It needs to break our hearts that there are many, many, many people that don't yet know him. We've got to have hearts broken that then create environments and spaces and places to shed, to share, to reveal, to cast, to reflect the light and the love of Jesus to those around him. My longing is, a, is that we don't just see the light, that we don't just therefore see life, but our hearts are broken to want to give it and pass it on to others, to share it, to release it to the world around us, that we would literally be led to the lost. John isn't the light, but he's called to reflect the light. John 5.35 says this about John. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you, and you were excited for a while about his message. John's life was led to the lost, to be a light, to be a witness, to stir a discussion, to create a decision, to form disciples. You know, the passage says he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Jesus came to his own people and even they rejected him. God had a chosen people, the Jews, and he had made a covenant with them that he would come and deliver them from their sins. When Jesus arrived, they rejected him. You, we could spend quite some time looking at that. 
But the truth remains that the rejection of Jesus, whether 2,000 years ago by the Jews or by many, many today, leaves people trapped in sin without a saviour, starved of the life that can only be found in him. No one else can bring salvation. No one else can pierce the darkness of our sin. Hoping in good works will not do it. You know, verse 12 says, But to all that believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to be children of God, adopted. There it is, right there. This is so levelling. You know, I don't I don't need to fight for me anymore because Jesus has done it. I've been adopted, given the right to be called a children of God. I don't need to bring my childhood insecurities anymore because Jesus has just levelled it. I don't need to bring my comparisons, my obsessions, my I can't, I'm not mindset. I don't need to um, be overcome by my worries, my burdens. <coughs> Keep filling the blank. What is it that you now don't need to bring or don't need to do because you've been adopted not because of what you did, but because of what he's done. Because of him and who he is. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That is stepping onto the bridge. I don't feel... Sorry, I, I, don't, I say I don't feel. I do feel like I am stepping onto that bridge every day. It's not a one-time decision. It's an everyday step onto the bridge, left foot, right foot. Keep stepping on, keep taking ground, keep moving forward. Don't look back, don't look down. You know, I, I asked you the question earlier, what will you do with Jesus? Our lives based on that decision could be, should be, hopefully will be radically altered. You know, we don't need to fear the future. Because we're going to the Father's house. That's what John 14 says. We can stop worrying about whether our needs on this earth will be met because the Father gives good gifts to his children. That's what Matthew 7 says. Our hope and our expectation is therefore not in this world because one day, as children of the King, we will shine like the sun in our Father's kingdom. That's what Matthew 13 says. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? That God sent John the Baptist to be a witness about Jesus and his witness forces us to consider, well, what will I do with Jesus? Not with someone else, but what will I do about this Jesus? God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everybody might believe because of his testimony. John himself wasn't the light. He was a simply a witness to tell of the light. But to then all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Would that lead you closer to Jesus? Then it says they're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but, but a birth that comes from God. Transformation of our lives to have found life in him and through him. A branch that becomes connected to the vine. Grace is the most remarkable faith. Grace is something that we receive. It's not something that is achieved. It says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the opportunity to be adopted, the opportunity to be reborn. You know, we could be asking so many questions right now. When will I have enough money when will covid go away when will i get the job the house the relationship when will i be well whatever the question might be all of that honestly is secondary it's secondary to when do i get enough of the light and therefore the life 
that enables me to overcome, to endure, to have peace and to live obediently. I, I want to say don't, I suppose I mentioned it at the start, uh, don't choose isolation and individualism. Choose the life-changing, life-forming community that Jesus calls us into when we find the light that we find in his light. Choose the life and the flourishing that comes from embracing his way of living, his community and his church. Why don't, why don't we just pray together? I want to I want to pray that this life comes on you right now. So why don't you just open your hearts and your minds to that? Some of you, there's been like a weight on you, a physical weight, maybe on your shoulders, on your mind, but a, but an emotional weight. I want to pray that that shifts and that lifts because of the light and the life of Jesus, that you would become fully alive. Lord Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that the, the power of your name, that the name of Jesus, that the life that comes with that would land upon us now as a church community. Jesus, lift the burdens and restrictions and free us. Where this has become human, constrained, man-made, oppression, <coughs> Lord, release it and lift it. And let the lifeblood of Jesus flow into us now, I pray. For some of you, that's going to be a journey. For some of you, I believe that's going to be almost instantaneous. That's just going to happen now. It's what happens in the presence of God. We're changed. I, I want to pray. Some of you, got to, this has been theoretical. It's been a lot of a season of standing still. Some of you actually have been, it's been more than standing still. You've been shackled and held back. I want to pray that they break and lift and that you're able now to step onto that bridge. There's a stepping into life because this is a faith thing. So, Lord, I, I pray for those that that resonates with. This has got to become an active faith, a doing faith, a lived out. It's got to have motion. There's a couple of categories there already, I believe, of what the Lord wants to do. And then the final thing I just, in this moment, sense that he's putting on us, and this is quite a weighty thing. I think some of you, get, you might respond differently to this. Some of you, this is going to be quite emotional. It's going to feel quite, a, um, it's going to feel quite heavy because it is heavy. I think he um, is stirring us to pray, to long and to yearn for the lost that we would see lost souls saved. Do we pray for that almost every day? I pray for interactions, for opportunities to share. Some of it, I want to encourage us to start praying that they just flood and flock because that's what happens. When the name of Jesus is lifted up, people are drawn to him. We want to pray for that. Would we be a church that has such a yearning and longing that our door, that our... The, the the physical door, but also the door of our hearts is open to be flooded with people, seeking, longing for something of Jesus, to just touch the hem of his cloak, that we would be people where they don't, they don't bounce off that, but they find an open, inviting environment to, to explore it and to, to realise that they, this, this can be soil in which they grow and come to fuller understanding. Lord, lead us to the lost. Put a yearning and a burden and a passion in our hearts. Reveal some of the apathy towards that, some of the negativity that can come with that, the cost of that. Lord, release us to have hearts for our inheritance. Give us the lost, God.
Yes, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you. Manifest your presence upon us. Reveal more of yourself that we would reveal more of you to others. Lord, stir our hearts, I pray this morning. Let it come. The Lord will meet you in many other ways, I'm sure. And I'd encourage you to reach out to some of the people in the forming community around you, small group and others that you're networking with in this church that could now, right now, pray with you and stand alongside you. <coughs> yeah, bless you. We hope you have a good week. Thank you for joining us again this morning.